who? Absolutely. Yes. So we, and we weren't born when no, she came to the throne. No. no I, I admire her for her, um, I think it was rep- quite representative of her generation in terms of a dedication to service. Duty. And duty. Yes, that's right. And I thought, I think that's extraordinary. And and the fact that she, you know, she Working literally right up did to, work right up to virtually. Yeah. Exactly. And she was a young woman in a very male-dominated yeah. yeah. And she did pretty well. So, um, yes. I did I did think quite interesting given that we're, we talk pronouns now that yes. I wonder how long king and queen or I identify as male and therefore is that king? Oh, or is that yes. king? I think it might oh, take a while I to reach those that, that level. Might, yes. uh, it's complicated uh, enough. Yes. I think it might. <laughs> I, I think if, you, if, if that was put to them, they'd be like, what? Sorry, what? <laughs> uh, just before we go to a track, and we will, uh, because it, it is relevant to our discussion, I'd like to read the shovel's take. I thought oh, yes. you might. I would. This and is. I love this. This is beautiful. It's not irreverent. It's absolutely <laughs> really super cute and I love it. Mm-hmm. So from the shovel, Queen reunited with 80,000 of her former corgis. Her <laughs> Majesty Queen Elizabeth has been joyfully reunited in the afterlife with the 80,000 corgis she owned while she was alive. With their tails wagging and their mouths in a permanent smile, the corgis told Her Majesty that they had saved her the best spot. All the Queen's favourite corgis were there, including Susan, Vulcan, Dookie, Monty, Honey, <laughs> Berry, Emma, Willow and Lynette. The Lynette. dogs released a joint statement saying <laughs> it was the best day ever. A spokesperson for the Queen said that after 95-odd years of putting up with the weirdest family imaginable <laughs> and Boris Johnson, Her Majesty <laughs> can now finally enjoy herself in the company of those who know her best. Oh, that was quite Enough sweet. said. There you go. <laughs> that was quite sweet. And all of us being dog lovers here too, we understand that. Sam Ryder there with Spaceman and uh, that song was featured at the Eurovision Song Contest and I think got a honourable mention or a place or something. Mm, very nice. 27 minutes past four here, Big Life Conversation. You're on 94.1 FM 3WBC. Barbara, you're about to tell us about our first guest coming up very shortly. Looking forward to speaking to um, John uh, Sheeman who is the Associate Movement Director of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child currently and he's going to tell us lots of interesting things about that role um, and the fact that he actually was playing several roles on stage in um, previous productions of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child and of course the production has um, been reduced or abbreviated from uh, I think about eight hours or four, four to five hours down to about um, two or three uh, so you don't have to turn up to the theatre two days or two nights in a row you can just go on the one day or the one night, so down at the wonderful Princess Theatre. So looking forward to chatting to him about that. Yes, absolutely. And it may be a tad more manageable for people. That's such a big commitment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, thanks, Barbara. And that's coming up in, in a couple of minutes. We'll speak with John and uh, that'll be good to get the lowdown on Harry Potter. Mm. And can I um, just quickly mention some birthdays? Have you got time? Mm. Birthdays, yes, let's do please. birthdays. Yeah. Um, some musical birthdays around this time include... Um, uh, B.B. King, Barry White, uh, the late and great, and uh, um, Harry Connick Jr., who's still very much with us. Yes. And i also like to send birthday cheers to my friend Cheryl's mother, Pat, who had a very significant birthday uh, yesterday, and to my sister-in-law, Lara, 
and to my friend Liz. So happy birthday, all you Virgo guys, gals and whomever. I'm going to yes. add to that too. I had a friend's birthday on Friday, Steph. So happy birthday, Steph, if you're listening. Happy awesome. Birthday. All right. Love Virgos. Uh, so stay with us on Big Life Conversation. We're about to uh, have a little chat with John Sherman, Associate Movement Director of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. That's coming up right after this. Birds of Tokyo there with plans. You're on Big Life Conversation. Coming up to 25 minutes to five. And we welcome our first guest for this afternoon. It's a big good afternoon to John Shearman, Associate Movement Director of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great to have you on board. John, it's Barbara here. Thanks so much for taking some time out from your very successful, long-running um, production of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Is it? It's more than two years now, isn't it, since the show's been on at the wonderful Princess Theatre? Yes, well, um, we actually teched the show in the Princess at the end of 2018, so it's been <laughs> oh, it's really years now. Of course, yeah. it's COVID that got in the way. That I'm, that's what I'm probably getting thinking of. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. That's kind of, it's been a punctuated season of that. <laughs> yeah. uh, three and a half to four years now. <laughs> Goodness wow. me. Now, I was lucky enough actually to see the production in May of last year, or two nights of it. Um, but yeah. I understand now that um, you it has been, when the school holidays are coming up, so it's very timely, but uh, it's actually been um, reduced or abbreviated to uh, a little bit less yeah. than that. Yeah, so the, the whole play has been reimagined, so it's no longer the five and a half hour epic it was before so <laughs> it's a bit more accessible now at three and a half hours yeah, um yes. however none of the scale and spectacle has really been lost at all it's just as oh, vibrant great. as ever it's or i i have friends who have seen both versions and it's just as thrilling for them and they actually i had friends who came along to opening night of this this new reimagined version and they didn't know what was missing so oh, wonderful. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> now, your own history and, and connection with the production, you know, you've actually you worked as an actor um, and played several roles, I gather, but you, now you're, you've taken on a, another um, mantle, and this is um, Associate Movement Director. Now, are you a choreographer? What does that mean, exactly? No. So, um, my new role as Associate Movement Director is um, Stephen Hoggett, who is our choreographer and movement director for the show. Right. Um, so, my role now is um, I'm there to help the cast to, to maintain his vision of the show, uh-huh. um, keep it nice and tight. And I also work with the actors on their physicality within the scenes because I, I don't know if you've seen the show, it's, it's quite a physical show. Yes. Not well, a musical, it, yes. but there are lots of big physical sequences in it that require a lot of skill and a lot of rehearsal. So I'm, I'm there to, to help the cast through that. And uh, you're right, I originally started in the cast back in 2018, 2019 as a swing. So I used to understudy nine roles in the show. Oh, my so goodness. So I had a fairly good knowledge of the <laughs> show from inside to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> did you get a, have a go at all of those roles eventually? Did you, in terms of being an understudy, did you actually get your moment of, or moments of glory? <laughs> of yeah, yeah. I do, have a, I do have a running tally there. I think I had a few hundred shows notched as Hagrid, a few, uh, like, hundred or so notched as Draco wow. and Ron. Oh, and, fantastic. Yeah, there's quite a few. <laughs> so you've got to be versatile. Yeah. Then are you actually... Yeah, I, yeah sorry, go on. No, no, you go. I was going to say, um, uh, were you actually a Harry Potter fan of the books and all the films before you got involved in this production? Oh, look, I, I had read them all and I had seen all the movies. Um, Good on you. Okay. I consider myself a casual fan. Yeah, like, I, I, I was really aware of it. Um, I do have a younger brother who was obsessed with it, though, when we were uh. children. So <laughs> I did get a, quite a big exposure to it. <laughs> yes, of course you would have. And now, yeah. do you know how long this season is going to be running? I mean, is it still open-ended because it's been so popular? 
still hasn't ended. We're here to stay. So, <laughs> it's um, a permanent thing like the mousetrap, yeah. is it? <laughs> we love that. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're kind of becoming a fixture in the Melbourne theatre scene, I think. It, Good. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're here to stay as long as there are audiences for us. So, um, yeah. It's fantastic. And, um, and I know when I went um, last year... In the mid-May, the way the whole theatre sort of internally had been sort of transformed was uh, was quite fascinating. Is that uh, you're still using all the space in the um, in the actual auditorium area as well? Oh yeah, we're in the we're in the beautiful Princess, which has been renovated kind of to look like Hogwarts the inside. Yes, like oh. the, the Hogwarts carpet, um, all of our lighting fixtures are kind of dragon sconces, as if it's at Hogwarts. It's, it's a real investment in the venue itself, and it looks incredible. It does. Well, it did when I was there, actually. Um, well, I have to admit yeah. to being a, a big Harry Potter fan. I've, I've sort of dabbled in the books, and I love all the films. And I have to say, much more of a Harry Potter fan than a Lord of the Rings fan. Um, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think so, often it tends to be Ooh, you tend to be one or the other. Call. But anyway, yeah, that's yeah. a tough call. <laughs> and some people have said, "Oh, it's women who like the, the Harry Potter stuff, and it's the guys who like the Lord of the Rings." Art, but no. I won't go, won't go into the, those gender sort of um, <laughs> differentiations. But um, I was going to say, um, in terms of the actual physical performance, um, well, you've got obviously that some of these main roles are, are understudy, but you've got you've got to keep pretty fit, haven't you, for this show? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a show that requires a lot of show fitness, and that means like the actors have to do a lot of physical and vocal preparation for the show every day. Um, we do a warm-up, a full company warm-up before every show, and that's to get the blood pumping, but also some of those tracks have some fairly heavy lifting in them. Like there's a, uh, a lot of the magic that you see is um, it involves a lot of the cast. So a lot of these big moments require everyone to be very focused and precise Yes. Um, and we do have to get everyone kind of on the same page before every show, so those moments can really sing. <laughs> well, exactly, yes, and that's the, that's the important yeah. thing. And um, I was going to say, have you found it difficult to keep the show fresh? Um, is, is this is a challenge for a long-running production, I, I would imagine, or do you have a lot of people coming in and out of the um, of, of the cast, or, or they tend to be the, the same people? Well, no, we do have some cast members who've been with us since 2018, since we started, um, and we have a, a flash fresh influx of cast every 12 months or so, so mm-hmm. some people choose to leave. But um, I think in a show like this, it's kind of... Um, it, the show is so rewarding in its structure and the way it works that there are, it's really quite easy to find it fresh and fun every night. Yes, um, and you feed off the audience so much too, I guess. Oh, yeah, and we have such a great fan base here in Melbourne. They're like fan audiences and people just love Harry Potter and the nature of that show. So every show is different because the audience... Are with us, and we're responding mm. to them. Yes. They're responding to what's happening on stage, and it's. A, I've never been involved in a production that's quite so rewarding to be part of, because you know it's having an impact out there in the audience. Sure, exactly. And have you got any feedback from J.K. Rowling? She, she did she come to see it at all? And, and um, no, and she hasn't been out to see us yet. Not yet. <laughs> I think She's the plans gonna... <laughs> are there, but then you know the best made best laid plans of mice and men. COVID kind of came along. Exactly. So I, I, I forgive her for that. You know, it's pretty hard to travel at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. That's exactly right. So at the moment, um, as I say, uh, I think there are some special deals going out there in terms of if you, if you go to see the show during the week, there are some discounts available. So if you have four, buy four tickets or something, yeah. do you know much about that? So if you head to auharrypottertheplay.com, yep. um, we do have the Friday 40 every week, which is there are the front two rows of the auditorium are there um, set aside for what we call the Friday 40. So you go in the lottery, you select the dates you'd like to potentially see the show, and then your name is drawn out of a hat electronically, and you get the chance to come and see the show for $40. Oh, 
Wow. So we're all about accessibility there. So this yes, great. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, what a great idea. Something new yeah. and something that gives, yes, other people an opportunity that might not normally. So I love that. Well, that's it. The theatre's for everyone. And yes. um, I know that our creative team, like Stephen Hoggett and John Tiffany, feel very strongly about that, um, which is why on all their productions they have this, this lottery. And it's, it's, it's really fun. I have friends who've won it multiple times. <laughs> and they like come to see the show. They've seen it again and again and again. And so you're not, you're not excluded if you've already seen it. <laughs> no, right, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to put my name down, that's for sure. That, that yeah. is really good, really good to hear, John. And I'm just checking it out now. So um, great idea for people to get onto the website, au, Harry Potter the Play. Um, .com.au is where I've found the information and a great opportunity to make sure that, um, well, to give people a, a really good chance to see it for a really great price. But there are also links to Ticketek there as well, so you can find all the array of ticketing options there on the website as well. Yeah. Is it also available at half ticks? Are you doing that as well or not? Is that a, something else? Do you um, know much about that? I'm not sure about that, but... It, 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 if we are, it's all linked there from the website. Yeah, so you can you can find that out. And for you, uh, yeah. in terms of uh, careers, I mean, uh, career highlights, w- would this be one of them? Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever worked... Like, I've worked on big-scale productions before in the past, like um, like War Horse and things like that. But yes. in terms of scale, I've never worked on anything quite technically this challenging. And but honestly, nothing this big has ever been done in Australia before in this manner. That's right, um, yeah. Like, the... the the technical expertise on this show, it, it's Tony Award winning, you know what I mean? It's a yes. cutting edge. Exactly. It, um, yeah, nothing is quite this big, I don't think, has ever been attempted. I may be proved wrong, but I, <laughs> I don't think so. And what about the stories that we hear about the princess being haunted by Federici's ghost? Any stories to tell? Ooh. <laughs> I personally don't have any stories to tell about that. <laughs> but <they're, laughs> it is quite spooky to hang out underneath the stage because the, the rumour is he died as he went through a trapdoor yes. um, on oh. opening night oh. and he died underneath the stage. And we have a lot of access underneath the stage. Mm. So to be down there by yourself is quite a spooky place to be. <laughs> well, particularly with all the, the, um, the magic going on with the Harry Potter sort of story, I guess. Oh, <laughs> you know, honestly, kind of a dark I think probably a pre- if he's there haunting the theatre, he's like our only nearly headless Nick, you know? <laughs> oh, yes, I, I like say. to think that he's invested in the show. <laughs> Fair enough, that's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In a positive way. All, all yeah, good. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so I'm just having a scroll through all the, the cast members as well. That's great to check out all the amazing actors that are uh, taking part. Um, now, John, did you say before that they there's, there's a rotating cast or is it in terms of... No, no. The, no there's not. Some people no, would choose so to leave after a time though. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So... so uh, cast kind of uh, free to leave the show when they want to and every 12 months or so they have that option to leave yeah. and then um, you cast audition um, and we've got some great cast in there at the moment like um, Paula Arundel is Hermione yeah. she's just actually an actor who I've admired for years mm-hmm. and she's incredible um, Gareth Reeves as Harry Potter yeah. and I've worked with Gareth in productions before and he's just consummate professional you know one of those actors who um <laughs> That he's just so captivating to watch in that role. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they all, well, they all were when I saw the, uh, yeah. the production uh, last year. And there's a bit of ethnic yeah. diversity too, isn't there, in the cast? Well, there was when I saw the production. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. it's important, I think, that Australian stages reflect the makeup of our community. It and, sure is. Um, I think that's what you find um, at Harry Potter. And, that's, and 
honestly, it's, it's the way it should be. <laughs> it, it, it is. Exactly right. It is, most definitely. And what about your own background, John? I mean, do you come from a theatrical family or are you uh, the so-called black sheep? Or... Uh, not like my <laughs> father was an engineer and my mother was a teacher, so I'm kind of the black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. But uh, my grandmother used to be a costume designer. So oh, wow, okay. Some yeah, nice connection. Yeah. Something creative there. Yes, I yeah. have a friend actually, um, her sister is uh, involved in the costuming of Harry Potter and is... Uh, been uh, enjoying it, but finding it uh, fairly exhausting. I guess maintaining some of those fantastic costumes is a, a big job. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we have a, a massive team in there. Um, I'm not sure how big our wardrobe department is, but they work like... Uh, I, I've never seen someone mm. work quite so hard because all the costumes, the wigs, the hats, all the millinery for the show... Um, I remember when I was an understudy, I used to have a multiple clothing rack just to fill all the costumes that I had for it to go. Oh and um, they're constantly laundering them, putting them out of storage, repairing them. Of course. Um, Cleaning it's, them. It's a, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's a full-time job. It certainly <laughs> is. And do you find yourself in this role you've got now, do you find yourself actually missing treading the boards and performing at all? Or um, I look in a way, but also what I'm finding is um, being able there to, be, to help the cast through um, the rehearsal process, mm. you end up, I kind of said to my, my colleague, Naomi, um, last night, who's the resident director on the show, that um, I find myself falling a little bit in love with all the cast on stage and what they're capable of. Mm. Uh, like, everyone surprises me constantly all the time. and um, in, in the best sort of way, I hope. In, <laughs> yeah, in the best sort of way, yeah. You find yourself invested in them and their success. Sure, um, yeah. I'm finding that really rewarding at the moment. That yeah. would be fantastic, actually, because you've got a whole different perspective on it, and I suppose you could you could really focus on those performances in a different way than when yeah. you're actually, you know, there yourself. So that would be lovely, I would imagine. And it, it's also wonderful to learn in that way as well, yeah. to watch people and, and to realise, oh, I remember when I went through that exact same yes. trouble. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good, John. Well, we are so pleased that um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is still very much alive and well in good old Melbourne town and hope that uh, people can get along to see it, knowing that there's the opportunity to be uh, placed in that, uh, what is it, a lottery, lottery. Mm. Um, yep. and, and maybe get some cheaper tickets. And we wish you all very well. Thank you very much. Um, thank you very much for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Thanks, all the best, John. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. 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 Dean Lewis there with Hold of Me. It is 10 minutes to five. Big life conversation. Barbara, Nicole and Jacinta with you right through to the six o'clock news. And uh, we just had a nice chat with John Shearman, Associate Movement Director of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Check out the website if you would like to see that show that is, um, has been condensed. Shortened. Yeah, and still Plenty of tickets there, and yeah. uh, you can get some of those nice. We'll go in the little raffle in to little, yep. get the forty dollar version. I think otherwise it goes up to sixty five, and then up yeah. from there, depending on where you'd like to sit. Yes, yeah, so you so. can go in the lottery, and and that that's for during the week. I think Nicole, mm. isn't yeah. It? yeah, 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 absolutely. Sounds great. Awesome. I think it's a good way to get started and uh, get I to see it so. at a reasonable price. Yeah. Mm. And given school holidays are coming up, that's exactly. right. to think yeah. about. It sounds spectacular. Speaking of guests, mm. also stay with us, uh, the wonderful 
Jess Belangsatagi, our uh, film and TV guru, will be joining us just after five, uh, 10 past five today with our latest updates in all streaming services, cinema, the whole shebang. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. Have you been watching anything on the streaming services to date that you have seen? Or you know, I actually haven't. I haven't had a whole lot of time. to. I've missed so much stuff of late. Of the last few weeks, I just haven't seen much TV at all. So I feel quite out of date. <laughs> <laughs> Not up to date, out of date. <clears throat> well, mm. there is the new House of the Dragon, uh, oh. if you're a Game of Thrones oh, fan. Oh, no way. <laughs> which I... I am a Game of Thrones you fan, are. but this I is know. not hitting the spot. Oh, oh really? Oh, okay. Gee, that's interesting mm. because Game of Thrones, uh, the only thing I know about it is that it was hugely successful and had a cult following pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. So so in that context, it would be very disappointing for diehard fans. It is a bit disappointing. For, we're, we're going to give it a little bit more you persevere. time. Um, in the first in the first actual episode, you could tell that the um, writers had tried to, you know, start with a little bit of storyline and history and family tree and just say this is 172 years prior to the actual events happening in the other um, shows and this is kind of a prequel. And then it just went to not – well, to live up to the standard of the – um, the previous episodes, it went straight into lots of violence, lots of sex, and <laughs> lots of <laughs> inappropriate behaviour, just and some killing. Yes, um, <coughs> all in a condensed form to go right. We're back. Yeah, and then it sort of stepped back from that a little bit and um, uh, trying to develop these new characters, but they're not quite hitting the mark with me at the moment. Ah. I'm not sure about what anyone else thinks. Maybe others are loving it. Uh, it's still entertaining, but it's not quite hitting the mark. The mark. And uh, I just wondered what others might Interesting. think. Jess might have some views on that. But <laughs> it's always a risk, yes. I guess, when you've had something that's so hugely popular and you've had – how many seasons has been? have there been? Well, I think there was – we were watching a repeat of – Eight. Oh, um, my God. just to go through a couple of the key mm. episodes, and then, um, and then you know, this is obviously you know series. I actually don't know what the number of the series is, but it's kind of like a fresh set of series. Of series, um, you know, it does different. remind me though of another one that's been hugely popular for so long. The season has just dropped. I think for this Thursday night is Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, SBS. I know. I am looking that forward to that. And I well. am too, but I'm hoping I'm not going to be disappointed <laughs> because mm. it's been around for a while as well. It has been. It has, it been. has yeah. been around for a while as well and we don't want to um, be let down, but it hasn't been around for as long. I think no. Game of Thrones really came to a very big crescendo mm. and uh, to go back and, you know, the, the characters are looking the same as the other characters. Um, it's the same family line 172 years earlier, but they're not the same because they haven't had time to build and grow. So I'm going to give it a little time. Yeah, give it a moment. Uh, give it a see moment. Um, and see, see yeah. if that comes up in our conversations. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, something completely different. Mm. I'm just checking out um, a great online uh, publication that I 
I look at regularly, Women's Agenda, and it's there's a report today um, about how long it will it should take, <laughs> given everything remaining the same, for full gender equality. So not until 2322, according to the UN. Uh, So full gender equality may take up to 300 years if the current rate of progress does not change, (laughs) according to this year's Gender Snapshot Report from UN Women. The annual report um, assesses the status of gender disparities across the world with the aim of closing them entirely and addressing one of the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. So the study shows specifically that the gender divide worsening due to cascading global crises, including COVID-19, climate change and the curtailing of women's sexual and reproductive health and rights. Mm. So apparently um, by the end of 2022, almost 383 million women and girls will live in extreme poverty compared to 368 million men and boys, according to the report. So um, some pretty depressing predictions and statistics there. Mm. Indeed. Exactly. Not like that very much at Do all. Do not like that <coughs> at all. And of course, not... Not mentioning in Ukraine, women continue to face more hardship, as this report uh, points out, and poverty as food insecurity and hunger rises, all those things that are just flow-on effects of what's going on over there. And what about Afghanistan? Oh, Afghanistan. And the Taliban. Absolutely, It's just, it's just heartbreaking just as you hear totally these reports coming out for these poor, uh, about these these poor women. They're, they're basically they're, they're prisoners in their homes. They really are. It's um, and, uh, yes, so the education has denied them and so, so many other opportunities and uh, it, it's just, uh, yes, it's very distressing. And it is. It's a regime that I, d- I don't understand in terms of the, the talent and uh, the dedication and uh, of you know, half the population that, that, that's just being suppressed and denied and it's just bizarre and how can that country flourish with that sort of attitude? Yeah, it, it, it's, it makes no sense. It's absolutely horrible and heartbreaking and I actually saw on, I think it was a, um, a show on the ABC where they were following some amazing women, ex-teachers in Afghanistan who were setting up sort of underground schools oh, yes. for girls <laughs> and, and, and yet the girls were saying it's so good to be here but... We take our lives in our hands every yes. time we leave our homes to come to school and then to return exactly. back to They're our homes. Exactly, they're living in fear. Yes. And, and that is just, I, I just don't even know how you process that no, sort of information. It, I don't either. It's too and I just unreal. sort of think in other parts of the world where we hear a kid, you know, kids wagging school and think it's a great joke. Or oh, thinking yeah. In other parts of the world, it's a privilege and uh, you don't know how lucky you are. <laughs> yes, yes that, oh. it, it makes that statement, you know, first world problems yes. really. Oh, my it's goodness. True. So um, hopefully um, all you could hope for is better times ahead and um, yes. some people will see some sense and the, the world's going world's to get better, but let's hope it so. Is. <clears throat> it's a little bit tricky, isn't it? It is. It very, very is. It's, it's really, really concerning. I was just going to say, speaking of uh, looking after each other and yeah. uh, just taking a little side segue to health. I've got a few tips on allergy season, which also oh. comes with spring. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, and I thought I can tell you a few little tips if we're about to have a break <clears throat> on uh, 
all things allergy relief. That would be so great. I don't know if you've seen the blossoms out at the moment. So yes. Um, yes. in some places they I can are, smell them. They, mm. I can smell them, mm. and they are lovely, but not for everybody. No, <laughs> um, and what that can mean for a lot of people is a runny nose, an itchy nose, congestion, mm. stuffiness, skin rashes. Itchiness, asthma, hives, dryness, asthma, mm. tingling, hay fever, swelling, <laughs> nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, oh coughing, lightheadedness, all of those things. And allergies really are quite hard sometimes to pinpoint what is causing them. Um, but in spring, we, we definitely have um, in Melbourne quite a high pollen count and quite a big allergy I think because of our winds and also our temperatures we have quite a lot of high content of allergens in our air and our environment Mm. in Melbourne so we're we're known as one of the most allergenic capitals um, in Melbourne yeah not great if you also suffer from those things Um, and you know as normal there is quite a few things that we can stay away from. We could stay inside away from the trees causing pollen and <laughs> away from dust and certain foods and insects and moulds and medications and all of those things that can be causing allergies. Um, but what a lot of people turn to is some of those over-the-counter decongestants, decongestants and antihistamines. Um, eye drops, skin cream, you know, corticosteroids, etc. cetera, uh, but they can do a lot of harm mm. to the body and stop them from having that normal immune response, which we want them to have because yes. an allergy and the reactions to allergy is your immune system not doing what it should do normally. Yeah. It's a bit of an overreaction. So elimination diets is also what can come into play in spring. And I am a big fan of the spring detox. What I mean by that is just cutting out the crap that we've been having all winter, (laughs) Um, getting into plant-based eating for at least a week or two and getting rid of dairy, wheat and all of those allergenic foods uh, could be things like shellfish. Mm. Um, uh, It could even just eliminate your protein, your meat proteins, not protein in general, and keep it very vegetable-based filling up with water can be one way to help but there are other things that you can do and the foods that are most helpful to get into your diet to help with this are foods such as garlic Mm. I think that's been really well known a natural antibiotic but also um, antiviral and very good for allergies as well. Is that an anti-inflammatory too? It is. Mm -hmm. Eating, Mm. juicing two raws of two cloves can be quite powerful and keep that doctor away um so you can eat them raw is obviously the best if you can if you can do that i know someone you can shut it down social life as well Uh, yeah yeah, that's right and still have good close relationships um someone who eats two at least two raw yes we can do that you can pickle them you can pickle them in vinegar and it does take the the sting out it would actually and you can eat them like pickled onions um i would say you know you want a, a strawberry and parsley chaser Um, because they are the natural breath breath freshness. Freshness. Um, If you can't have it that way, you can also do supplements that don't have um, the same uh, (laughs) reaction. Um, Lemons are quite alkalizing. So garlic and lemons Mm. are very alkalizing and you need a more alkaline diet when you have those allergies. Um, People um, might think of them as being more acidic, but they're actually quite alkalizing, loaded with vitamin C and are out and about at the moment with our seasonal foods. Mm. Um, 
Obviously, our green leafy veggies, spinach, kale, collard greens, our beans are in broad beans are all in season at the moment, as are asparagus, as all out and about at the moment. So getting those into you, Um, getting a little bit of a hit on your probiotic rich foods. Don't forget your kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi, um, some of the yogurts, Mm. miso, kombucha, to name a few. Um, if you're into bone broth, which um, mm-hmm. as a veggie I'm not, no, but I would I take some veggie soup. Um, and the other things that can be um, really great are um, apple cider vinegar and having a spoonful in your water, very good for breaking down mucus and lymphatic drainage. And there's another uh, nutrient called quercetin, which you may have heard Mm. of, um, which is a polyphenol antioxidant naturally occurring in the cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower, onions, shallots, green tea and citrus fruits. So all those foods that I just mentioned are high in quercetin, which is known as a mucolytic and helps stabilise the release of histamine that controls allergy symptoms. Oh, okay. So a really nice one. You can supplement with quercetin to get a higher dose um, if you're not a fan of eating all of those particular foods. But um, cauliflower and broccoli are also back in season. Cauliflower rice is amazing. Cauliflower steaks. Um, You can even do cauliflower uh, Parmesan at the <laughs> moment. Um, so I, I love cauliflower for, for those reasons. Oh, yes. um, a pretty nice one as well. Um, but don't forget some of those other anti-inflammatories like turmeric, um, our reishi mushrooms um, are fantastic, as well as the good old eucalyptus oil. Which helps oh, with the um, good old eucalyptus oil. The, Can't go past it. The mm-hmm. nose that might be very blocked yes. around yes. that as yeah. well. So a- absolutely, and that's a good antibacterial too, isn't it? It is. Yes. It is yeah. great. It's it's a killer of anti. It's antifungal, antibacterial, antiviral as mm. well, like garlic and all natural. Yeah. Yes, that's right. The natural approach. I, I do have to share with you mm. to, as we're talking Please. about food. The other day we were in the supermarket and. Iceberg lettuce was lettuce was selling for a dollar seventy. Oh, we a dollar like, at Aldi. Oh, a dollar at Aldi. This was at <laughs> one German of the others, right? Um, the and we're like, oh my gosh! And so I bought this beautiful, crisp, amazing iceberg so lettuce. Nice it's to been eat so it. many months since I have tasted <laughs> one, and we made some sanchoy bao and wrap that up in those little crispy lettuce oh, yeah. leaves and it was stunning and <laughs> I thought there you go isn't that interesting it's been so long you really really miss you that you do en- that, enjoy it yeah and the humble I will say the humble. iceberg lettuce the humble uh, punching way above its weight it- and <laughs> loving it, it <laughs> look I stunning. did the same thing I had my first lettuce because uh, Daniel bought it home and said oh you yes, know, oh, hail. Hail. oh hail, hail a provider bring lettuce for a dollar at Aldi. Um, and I said, oh, fantastic. I can make a salad because, you know, the weather was, you know, warmer yeah. and the sun has been shining. And because it's spring, we want to eat, eat more seasonally and we do um, mm. have the propensity to have more cooler foods. So normally I'd say winter we have warm, more warming foods. Yes. Well, this was more cooling foods. And so with our little um, veggie quiche, we had... Had uh, a beautiful green salad with the base of the humble lettuce, Ooh, yeah. and it was just lovely. You know, I put some gherkins in there, and what about budget uh, price awesome. avocado? Because they've gone down. And the yes, avos, loving the avos. <laughs> yes, there was avo in there. There was um, a few little cucumbers. There was definitely tomato, um, uh, a few olives, and you know that was all that was required. Oh, delicious! A bit of balsamic. That's, it. That's all you need. 
beautiful. Absolutely delicious. Get the yes. salads into you as yeah, well. Yeah, into those. And it's lovely to sort of lighten lighten up with lighten those beautiful spring foods and, yes, yeah, get some salads and because it's you sort of really focus on those heavier foods over winter, which is great. But I, I, I love the seasons for the difference in those great seasonal foods. So And hopefully they're going to be a little more... Um, uh, accessible, accessible, <laughs> available, um, available, and cheaper. Is yes. really the word I was looking yes. for. Was cheaper, yes, and all of those other things as well. So, <laughs> so uh, all praise to the humble uh, iceberg lettuce, and uh, may we have lots of them over <laughs> the summer. Going to go to a little break. It is seven minutes past five. We will be back next with um, the lovely. The lovely Jess Belangzataggy, and we'll be talking all things TV, screen, cinema, and uh, keeping you right up to date with all the great things in entertainment. 94.1 FM, 3WBC. Rosalie there with, I think it's Dispatcher or something like that. I don't know that I can really say <laughs> I that. I haven't heard well, that but, one before. Uh, something like that. That's probably because I didn't pronounce Spanish? it very well. It is definitely I'm to get my Spanish. Spanish speaker in. And that's about all I know. But I'll tell you what I do know. Jesper Langzataghi is on the line. The and house. we are so in the house, yes. Um, so happy to speak with you, Jess. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Hi. Hi, Hi Jess. Good to speak with you all again. Yes, it has been a little while. And of course, in the film, television, streaming services industry, everything moves so fast. Yes, so it does. we are in your capable hands to take us through what you think we need to hear. Well, um, yeah, I wanted to talk, I guess, mainly about a couple of new um, film releases mm. that I'm particularly excited about. So maybe we'll start there and then mm-hmm. I'll, um, yes. we can briefly chat ready. about a couple some TV releases as well. Ah, so... Right. I'm sorry to say the first one I want to talk about, Jacinta, is, um, I guess, yeah, at least partly classified as a horror <laughs> movie. Know yeah. that. Surprise. <laughs> you just do this to me every time, don't you? I'll, I'll get it you out please of the, the rest way of us. First. Yeah. Get it out of the way first. Yeah, okay. Um, it is uh, Nope, which is probably yeah. my most anticipated movie of the year. Nope. Um, <laughs> this one, <laughs> the Nope, it also might be. Just into sentiment about <laughs> seeing it, and it's based on my decision, but we'll see. Nope. nope. Um, so if this is directed promos. by Jordan Peele, very exciting um, director. He also directed Get Out and Us. Um, so this is his latest film, bigger in scope, scale, and budget than Us and Get Out, um, and it it produced some of the most compellingly mysterious trailers of the year. Yes. The trailers for this film didn't give much away, at least the early trailers, um, and I, and kind of set the internet on fire because there was so much um, mm-hmm. hypothesising about what could possibly be going on in this film. So it's a sci-fi western kind of hybrid and with big helpings of horror, given that's your skills <laughs> main genre. Something for everyone. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, but it echoes uh, kind of sci-fi epics like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the very famous um, Spielberg film. That. And even some of M. Night Shyamalan's movies, like Signs in particular, his sci-fi movie. Um, but it's the kind of movie where it's best to go into it with as little knowledge as possible. Okay. So I'm... I'll give some tasters of of narrative, but without going into much detail. Yes, please. Um, So it it essentially focuses on these uh, siblings, African-American siblings Otis and M, 
who own um, the historic Haywood Hollywood Horse Company, as <laughs> you want to say. Um, so it's a, a horse ranch that trains and handles horses for movie productions. And it's um, a historic horse ranch because the, the Haywood's ancestor, they claim at least, was the unnamed um, black jockey riding on a horse in the first ever um, motion pictures that were created in the 1880s. So these images that are considered to be the birth of cinema. So they, the siblings kind of positioned this uh, horse branch as, you know, really tied in with the birth of film history. Uh, and it's really typical of Jordan Peele's approach to kind of play with established genre tropes, horror genre tropes in particular, um, and to kind of subvert them to to centre the narrative around kind of um, socio-cultural critique, particularly when it comes to kind of um, historical and contemporary racism. Um, and he does this again with Nope, but in Nope this strategy is kind of taken a step further because it's cinema in general that he's kind of interrogating and subverting to deliver this socio-cultural critique. Um, so it really is quite hybrid in its, in its genre allegiances, more so than other Jordan Peele films. Um, and it's also less explicit uh, in its socio-cultural critique. So it's very, very thought-provoking, but also wildly entertaining, which is typical <laughs> of Jordan Peele's uh, films. It's beautifully made. Most of the film takes place on Otis and M's horse ranch, uh, which is captured through these really striking wide shots that kind of evoke Western imagery, mm. um, and complete with this isolated and very vulnerable-looking kind of classic American farmhouse. So this amazing cinematography kind of captures this setting day and night in ways that make us constantly aware of this shabby timber farmhouse, this very kind of precarious position in, in these rolling hills and dusty plains and these really inky black kind of skies. And they may or may not be something to fear <laughs> in those inky <laughs> black skies, as we come to suspect very early in the film. Um, so um, it's also got it's got this constant undercurrent of menace, but quite a solid dose of black comedy as well, which is an unusual combo, but it's also Jordan Peele's kind of favourite mix. Um, and it's partly how surprising some of the narrative developments are that, that make this combo work. So that's why I won't say too much more, but Ooh. it's not really like an M. Night Shyamalan film where everything hangs on a central twist, but the narrative definitely moves in some really delightfully kind of strange directions, that's for sure. Wow. Ah, well, I've been curious about the the advertising and uh, some of my boys, and I'm like, I'm not sure it's uh, suitable. <laughs> well, the 15-year-old's saying, I'm in a whole new category now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can I go to that 15 plus? It's 15 plus. Um, Don't you so love the way they know these things? He knows things. these they things. Know. So it's like, now I can do it with permission. Yeah, with permission. <laughs> um, permission granted. But I know we were very curious about it, and it, yes, it did actually get you to want to go and research mm. a little bit more. So... Um, Sounds like you enjoyed that. Oh, it's yeah. It's it definitely. As I said, it was probably my my most anticipated film of the year. Oh, and I really, wow. really did enjoy it okay. a lot, and it's left me. It's left me thinking. Like ideas or images from the movie will come to me, even though I saw it. Um, a week or so, quite a couple of weeks ago now. Okay. Um, it's not like so, a nightmare, is it, Jess? <laughs> oh, little, little bits. I, I, okay. I think actually for a 15-year-old, it has got some uh, very scary sequences, but it's not a full-on, 
you know, gory horror movie necessarily. Mm. Uh, it's just quite, um, this, this, as I said, this undercurrent of menace. Um, so it is quite kind of unnerving at times, but mm. some really unique I've already images. got my eyes closed, my hands over my eyes, just <laughs> listening to this in my... Oh, no, I can't well, cope. I'm thinking about how we're going on a long road trip in the country and oh. <laughs> with my two yes. boys and we're staying at some very obscure little towns. <laughs> um, <laughs> that could <laughs> be risky <written out>. timing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was actually one of my favourite... going to Wolf Creek or anything <laughs> like that. Well, one of my, well, I wonder if it's going to have horses there because a couple of my favourite things about this movie are how it really leans into the uncanniness of horses. Horses are such majestic, amazing mm. animals, but they also are so strange. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and and the film really leads into that and captures horses on films in I think in one of the most like one of the most beautiful capturing of horses creepiness on films that I've ever seen. <laughs> but also horses creepy, that's usually my happy place. <laughs> oh think about I, horses. I, think about horses. <laughs> I was a big horse girl growing up too, so oh. but I, I do uh, they are also like very they um they yeah, very unique animals. Yes. Uh, but um the it's also that yes, the the way they capture that the vulnerability of a rural property like that yeah. is is yes. also some of the best I've seen okay. in this kind of thing. Yeah, cool. Well, so I'm going to have to take your word you. for it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we won't get to debrief about this one? Just no, no. <laughs> you and I definitely will not. We can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So um, so that's the end of the, um, the horror. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yes. <laughs> one of the TV shows also has little hints, but maybe not so much. Oh. I'll just quickly, before I, I'll move on to the other film now, but I'll just also say the performances in Get Out are uh, oh. in a Nope are also brilliant. We've got uh, Daniel Kaluuya playing the main role, this surly man, a few words, horse handler, um, and he was also the star in Get Out. And Kiki Palmer, also excellent, is completely the opposite sister, very talkative, bubbly sister. And also a stand-up for me was Stephen Yen, who's the South Korean-American actor from uh, the 2020 film Minari. Uh, mm. He was nominated for an Oscar in his role in that film. But he is typically wonderful in Nope as one of the movie's strangest <laughs> characters. <laughs> this former kind of child actor who, who was on a super cheesy TV sitcom yeah. and he now runs a really weird kind of cowboy-themed amusement park next to the Haywood Horse Ranch. So uh, that was uh, one of the year's most memorable movie characters for me mm, so far. This yeah. Mixed with theme park in isolation. Yeah. Yes, I can see the creepiness <laughs> already all starting. Yeah, it's all coming together in my head. Oh, dear. Wow. Oh, very good. Excellent. Well, for those who love a noted. little bit of horror. <laughs> noted. Um, Julie <laughs> uh, noted, get on it, people, and enjoy. <laughs> Take your word for it. Well, this the other film I wanted to talk about, the new release, 3,000 Years of Longing. This one, oh, yes. we, I don't think we can classify as horror, so you should be comfortable with this Good. one, Jacinta. Uh, it's, this is the latest film by Mad Max director George Miller, um, and it was um, filmed in Australia, at least partly, uh, and it stars Tilda Swinton and Idris oh. Elba. Uh, That's right, yes. Yeah, another film that had really intriguing marketing, um, so it's kind of hard to tell again from the marketing what you're going to be in for with this film. Um, So it's really focused around the two central performances of Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba as they kind of banter in their single hotel room. 
So essentially, um, Tilda Swinton, excellent as always, is playing uh, this kind of lonely British um, narratology expert. Uh, so, so she's like a scholar in narratives and how narratives oh. work. Um, and she uh, takes this kind of conference trip to Istanbul and finds this antique bottle that she <laughs> happens to rub, and what do you know? The it, genie. She discovers that it contains the genie, yes, in the and form of Idris Elba. And Tim Tams everywhere, is it? Is it or no? <laughs> no, Tim Tams, unfortunately. Wrong script. <laughs> yes. Um, but, it, yeah, it's a very, even though it's quite a simple film, obviously that's a, you know, going back the long-standing traditional narrative based around this kind of theme, but it's very sumptuous and immersive. Um, Idris Elba's genie and this kind of distrustful, loner scholar gradually develop a bond as uh, the genie's kind of telling her the three stories that led to his entrapment inside the bottle. And these stories are kind of conveyed through this these really beautiful combinations of digital and practical effects. Um, and they convey these kind of twists on mythical stories about the Queen of Sheba and King Solomon. Um, so the, the structure of the movie feels really old-fashioned, even though the aesthetics are state-of-the-art. Um, so it's it was really refreshing. I've become a bit tired of uh, superhero movies lately. There's so many of them. And in particular, the CGI strategy of so many of these movies now seem to follow a very predictable kind of template and formula. Mm -hmm. So this movie was refreshing because it shows off the creative potentials of CGI in a different type mm -hmm. of narrative in ways that I found really quite um, exciting. And that emphasis on technological advancement is quite typical of George Miller. Um, he won an Oscar for his animated Penguin movie, Happy Feet, nice. which is quite a few yes. years ago now. But yes. all my, uh, so many of my current uni students absolutely love that film, <laughs> so it has not been forgotten. Um, and uh, he also obviously pushed boundaries of blending practical and digital effects with, with Mad Max Fury Road, which is one of my favourite films. Uh, but 3,000 Years of Longing is very different to both of those movies, um, it's actually interesting thinking about George Miller because he, like Jordan Peele, is quite, he likes to hop around when it comes to genre. Mm. Um, so, so this film is very much, you know, like that. It's kind of a uh, dr dramatic fantasy romance, I suppose. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I really I found it okay. like just a genuine, old-fashioned kind of escapist joy, this movie. Wow. Um, so sadly, like it's it. been a box office bomb, though. So oh, really? get out there and see it while it's still in cinema. Oh. Don't wait for streaming. That's um, interesting. I wonder why. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it might be the marketing around this one. It, yeah, again, it, like it's quite. I mean, I haven't seen it marketed very much at all, even though I'm, I go to the movies quite often. But um, that I don't think that's helped. It's maybe been pitched in slightly confusing ways, but. Yes, I really I there's no it. kids going along to it, perhaps, that are thinking it's... <laughs> yeah, well, I'd be interested to know what younger audiences would make of this one, yeah. um, because it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely not a superhero film, even though it's got some very whiz-bang kind of um, aesthetics. Um, but I think some kids would actually really, really enjoy this. Mm. Sounds intriguing. I know. Mind very to watch. Absolutely. Very good. We love the sound of that one, and uh, especially with such great actors. Yes, yeah, 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 and they're both brilliant. brilliant. Like they carry they carry the film through these kind of this banter and interaction. So they're, yeah, they're really great. Mm, lovely. And what else have we got? 
Um, so I wanted to, um, the other main one I wanted to focus on was uh, TV series, new release on Netflix. Yes. Uh, this is a, a Netflix original called uh, The Sandman. Oh, uh, yes, so I've seen a bit of this. Uh, yes. Yes. So it actually quite resonates a little bit with the style of 3,000 Years of Longing. Uh, this is a very kind of lavish and expensive televisual adaptation of Neil Gaiman's famous comic book series from the 1990s, um, the Sandman series of, well, graphic novels, as we tend to call fancy mm. comic books. Yeah. Um, they made it onto, they were the first to make it onto the New York Times bestseller list, so this series is a really big deal. Um, and Neil Gaiman has helped to create this TV adaptation, so it's quite faithful to the uh, visual style of those comic books. Uh, so this, like 3,000 Years of Longing, this show deals in kind of mythologies colliding with the real world in present day. That's kind of Neil Gaiman's main creative interest, I suppose. So the show is about uh, this character called Dream, otherwise known, as, of course, as Sandman or, or Morpheus, uh, and he's one of these seven metaphysical beings uh, who rule over different kind of supernatural realms, and his realm is called the, the Dreaming. So he's essentially the, the kind of lord of dreaming who has dominion over um, humanity's dreams. But the series starts with him having been captured by this occult ritual and, and held hostage for 70 years. And this leaves the world kind of in chaos with this epidemic of um, sleeping sickness, mm. uh, which, which Neil, Neil Gaiman actually based on uh, a real phenomenon in the 1920s. Uh, so this... Um, People are afflicted with being unable to sleep or endlessly sleeping. Uh, so it's a really uh, strange, kind of fantastical show. To me, the aesthetics feel kind of part Doctor Who <laughs> and yes. part like super high-budget Guillermo del Toro oh. fantasy film. Um, and it, it at times it kind of has a childish charm to it. But other times it's very, very dark. It does have an R rating in Australia. Okay. Um, which is, uh, I guess, surprising for a high-budget fantasy TV show like this, but yeah. not so surprising when you consider it's a Netflix original and Netflix doesn't worry or care too much <laughs> about yeah. ratings yes. and how that's going to affect the, the popularity of, of shows. Um, but, it, yeah, it does have this slightly odd tone, but to me that's part of the charm. It feels very kind of emo and 90s, <laughs> uh, which is what exactly what uh, Gaiman's comic books were. So it really captures that kind of... 90s vibe, even though it's not a nostalgia timepiece like Stranger Things, it's largely set in the present day. So, yeah, it's another very intriguing um, fantasy-based watch. Really? Like interesting. Yeah. I like the sound of that too. I know. Um, and look, even interesting just talking about Netflix as a streaming service too. I think, Jess, mm -hmm. given that a lot of people have have um, ditched the Netflix. We've gone um, a bit sideways. Yeah, and, and <laughs> well, we have. I know we certainly have. We had to. We had to binging um, and prime, priming at the moment. Yeah, but it was very expensive, and they're bringing in ads apparently as well. I don't think that's started yet, but I think they're changing up their strategy a bit and uh, bringing yeah. advertisements in. Mm. Yes, definitely. I think we're at this really interesting juncture when it comes to Netflix and this, the streaming wars. Mm. Yes, <laughs> um, I think so. Because, yes, obviously Netflix announcing that they're going to have a cheaper option that does have ads. But they've also recently announced that they might be moving away from their binge watch model. Yes. So, which, you know, was so central to Netflix's branding. Those two things, if you can binge watch on demand mm. and you don't have ads. When yeah. Netflix first came out, that was what... It, 
how it was defined. Yeah. So it's quite interesting to see that it's starting to move in directions to try to stop the hemorrhaging subscribers that, that take it closer to traditional TV watching. That's yeah. very strange. I, I, and I wonder about... lockdowns. <laughs> well, I wonder about the logic of it because it's what made them so popular. Mm. Uh, and mm. I remember in the early days just loving to binge watch all the stuff on Netflix. It was so easy to do. <laughs> and obviously yeah. no ads is one of the biggest... Mm. Um, fat, you know, draw cards, draw right? cards of mm. the whole thing. You're right, Barbara. And um, so I think, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see where things go with that, and then what other streaming services may feel compelled to do, or, or, or what that looks like. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Hmm. Well, Disney Plus have already said they will also be doing an ad, an ad. Oh, all right. Have they? Yeah, I've been watching. So that maybe, maybe it will become more normal. Um, but it's interesting because Disney Plus have never really done the binge watch. No. Model. No. They, they, they no. do scheduled release. So yes. obviously mm. Netflix has seen, hmm, that seems to be working for one of our biggest competitors and sustaining this kind of buzz about shows over months That's and months right. rather than this brief burst of interest. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, well, there's a little bit of everything for everyone at the moment, so we'll see where that takes us. Um, just just before we let you go, I know Nicole was really wanting to ask you, well, she's trying to find out from anyone who might have watched Game of Thrones, the la- latest season. No, uh, I haven't actually started watching there that you go. one yet. <laughs> Can I ask also, Jess, did you see any of the uh, Melbourne, Fe- Melbourne Film Festival stuff at all and some things that you know that have been uh, released from the, the festival, just uh, general release? Oh, well, well, 3,000 uh, Years of Longing was actually one of the big um, myth uh, releases. Oh, was it from there? And oh, okay. now it's wide release. Yep. But uh, I actually did not. I was very upset, very sad, especially because it was the first myth to be back in r- real-life cinemas after a couple of years of being online. Um, I was away for a family thing at the exact same time oh, that right. the festival was on. Oh. And I did have, I did optimistically try to like try to um, identify films I could go to either side of that, but it became a bit of a scramble, which mm. is a shame because there were lots of films I was excited about, but hopefully most of those I'll be able to chase up in other ways. I hope so, yes. because there's one I think you would like called The Lost City of Melbourne, which I saw the other day at the Sun Cinema. Have you heard about that one? Oh, interesting. The documentary um, about the, the the wonderful old buildings and the old theatres and cinemas that, that were knocked down in the 50s and 60s oh, and 70s. That sounds wonderful. No, I didn't, didn't see that. I, I usually go straight to... <laughs> The art, like they call it the after dark or midnight special <laughs> <laughs> with the horror kind of oh, yes, and then well. I look at the big ones. But so I didn't see that as part of the um, festival, but it sounds right up my alley. Yeah, it would be. And Gus, directed by Gus Berger, who of course is behind the Thornbury Picture House. So I think, yes, I think you would like it. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, that was at Sun Theatre, did you? Say? The Sun Cinema had unlimited release. I think it's on a few cinemas that are limited release at the moment. Just come out for the, in the past week or two. And also, um, I don't know whether you're a David Bowie fan, but I'm dying to see the. Uh, the, uh, the new film or the docu- sort of quasi-documentary uh, mm-hmm. Moon Age Daydream, which is supposed yeah. to be coming yeah. on uh, at IMAX this week, I think. Yes. That looks brilliant. Great. And seeing it in IMAX, it looks really, like, immersive and aesthetic. Yeah, quite spectacular, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Actually, Nope also has some a few select screenings in IMAX. It's a very, oh, okay. again, like, audio-visually immersive film and actually... Beautiful. Uh, it, it, certain shots are just works of art. I, I feel. So oh, wow. it's it's also worth seeing in IMAX if you can catch it that way. I okay. think. Okay. Thank you. Um, but I'm also very excited about the new David Cronenberg movie, which um, was also at MIFF. That's how we, it was introduced to Australia. 
Um, I'm just trying to remember now off the top of my head what it was called. It'll have one of those typical David Cronenbergy grizzly body horror names, <laughs> Crimes of the Future. That's what it's called, Crimes of the Future. Right. Uh, oh, yes. It's um, very oh. intriguing, um, starring uh, Viggo Mortensen uh, and uh, Kirsten Stewart, so really great cast. Mm. Um, so, yes, but hopefully some of the, those, those myth movies are starting to filter into more kind of mainstream or limited theatre releases now. So. Mm. Hoping I'll still get to chase some of them up. Yeah, no, I haven't seen a movie for a little while. I've been binging industry and also just finished Loot, which have been on the wanting to watch list for a little while, but they're on mm-hmm. they're on binge. It takes a while to work through those wanting to watch oh. lists. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Does. No, I don't help that problem, but <laughs> no. well, don't forget the Italian Film Festival, of course, starting this week. Um, opening this week. Oh, brilliant. We're, yeah. we're so lucky in Melbourne. They're we are. Festivals galore. Galore. We Absolutely. have. We're enjoying them. That is fantastic. Well, thank you for a, a wonderful wrap-up of those highlights, Jess. Really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you next time. Yes, look forward to it. Um, I'll try and make it a horror-free... <laughs> horror-free zone. I'll just, as I, as just I'm leaving, I'll give a quick shout-out to a very not horrific at all show, um, Old People's Home for Teenagers. Yes, oh, yes, we love it. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I reckon we've talked about almost every season, but the teenager version oh, is, you know, good. so... so it- Interesting twist on that one. It is. It's right, concept. It's just brilliant. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Love that show so much. They've done so well with both of those versions, with the yeah. four-year-olds and now the teenagers. Yeah, just it's a joy delightful. to watch. It really is. delightful, yeah, isn't it? Beautiful. Have a great couple of weeks, Jess, and we will speak to you again soon. Yes. Take care. Too. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks a Jess. Bye. 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 A very special and different song, Tennessee Whiskey. By Chris Stapleton there. I just wanted to play that for someone very special ah. to me. Uh, 20 minutes to six because he just loves that song. There's a soundtrack, lots of other songs, but very special song for the soundtrack to uh, Yellow Jackets and Yellowstone, a series, uh, American series, of course. Um, you can tell that by the music, but uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd play that little track for someone I love. <laughs> love song dedications. Yes. You're on like love song dedications a here. Big um, conversation. Yeah, <laughs> conversations. And as I said, 20 minutes to six, we'll be here with you right up to the six o'clock news. Big live conversation. We have a few essential items that we must address, though, before we head off today. Anyone? Feel free. Jump in. Yeah. Thank you. Continue Uh, with that entertainment. Yes. While we're on the subject, and I I did actually mention it last week um, to Nicole. Has anyone checked out the ABC series Summer Love, written by um, Robin? uh, Yes. Yeah, Robin Butler and Wayne Hope. I love Um, Robin Butler. Yes. Well, of course, very clever, and we know them from um, small business and librarians and all sorts of things. Very small business. I love very small. Of course, they are a a creative um, partnership, and of course, they're married to each other as well. Anyway, yes, big big fan of them. Um, Very talented people, and. Very funny. Now, Summer Love, did you see it or not? I've seen both episodes. Yes, and um, you haven't seen it, Nicole? No. no. I, I thought it was interesting because the first one, I mean, of course, Wayne and um, Robin are known for their comedy, but uh, yes. this is quite, it was a bit dark this first episode. Oh, I wasn't yes. very tense, and I think very relatable for Yeah, I really like For couples who really perhaps outgrown each other in terms of friendships, and yeah, I thought it was, yeah, Absolutely. it was interesting. I was expecting a few more laughs, but I, I really liked it, but I thought, 
oh dear, this is heavier than I was expecting. It was a mm. bit heavy and with, you know, some of the themes around um, some couples having children yes. and other couples not and having the little one. You know how oh, sometimes I the little one can be just snippets. the focus of everything. Yes. Relate their relationships that they once had. Totally changed. Uh, I totally have seen. changed. And mm. that's, it was very relatable. It was very well done. About the baby and the no baby yeah. for the couple. Yeah, and yes. Yes. And how you, how you discipline a child or whether you don't discipline a child. And also, yeah, and oh. your life choices. Are, you know, we don't approve of your life choices because you decided not to have children because you're so selfish. Yes. <laughs> and it all sort of blew up. Yes, and yes. Blew up. But a wonderful, a wonderful setting with that that house. I think it's filmed down at Fairhaven. Yes, I look, we were. I look in the beach, this amazing house. It yes. was amazing. And so I, I was, I was a little bit taken aback when, mm. as it unfolded. I wasn't expecting again, it. I thought it was going to be I this thought it was going to tell a joke. Yes, yes. It was, yes. I thought it was, was going to be a, a, really quite live in the comedy. But, but um, I saw great it, yes, were, it had humorous moments. Yes, it but, did. But there were and great performances from um, the Patrick tail. Bramall and um, uh, Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry yes. is mm, yes. both great. Um, yeah, and, but there was oh. that underlying tension and I sort of thought, hmm. I've been privy to similar sort of interchanges at certain social occasions. Absolutely. Very well done. It was. I can recognise both sides of that. That's why it felt really awkward to me. It's like, it's close to the bone. Yeah, like I totally get that they didn't get it because they didn't have kids. But then at the same time, I totally get. That even if you've had kids, you can see the other point yes, of view. And, that, and then yes. you're going, oh, yeah. that's just orcs all the way around. Yeah, it, but, you know, you would know that friendships are generally a little bit more accepting than perhaps well, you these hope couples so. go oh, together. Yeah, but so, but you have broken up over oh, that Yeah, sort but of you thing. Can sort of, in some ways I found it a bit sort of sad yeah. because I thought they'd obviously been friends for years and they, they yeah. really care about each other. But, I mean, I guess, you know, you know sometimes we found we have less and less in common with people we've known for years for it's all sorts true, of reasons. for all sorts of reasons. Yes. It was really well done. It was well done. And, yeah, but moments of humour, but there's some... Some hit, some se- more serious. Oh, definitely. Mm. Now the second one, I, I wasn't so that. sure about. Okay. Yes, that one was a bit quirky, wasn't it? And it still had a theme around children. Yes, also as yeah, well. the decision to the have decision a child, to have a child with people, mm. yes. someone else who you might think was going to be responsible, and now you don't necessarily think so. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah, and again, uh, uh, some interesting performances, and yeah, one. and using it, perhaps an animal as a substitute, substitute. for a child. Oh, no, that was yes. interesting. Look, it's worth checking out. It's, oh yes, it's a bit all it's all a bit different. Set in the same holiday house, mm. right, for every time. So a different story each week. So yes, different I, couples. Different, different, uh, different yeah, families, so whatever. Yeah, I think this week is that Nazim Hussain, Hussain yes, is on, is. the comedian. And, yeah, um, yeah so they're yeah, having a bit of a multicultural um, yeah. sort of flavour as well. But, yeah, I, I think it's very, really well worth watching. It's very well done. And it's a really bit of a watch. departure for them because they're, su- they're such clever people, Robin, oh, Robin they, Butler and yeah, No Wayne. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, their, their forte seems to be comedy, which um, often can be a bit biting too. But this is, yeah, very more towards the dramatic. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's well worth watching. Yeah, it is. It was a little bit different, actually. Really quite different to watch. So that's a good one. Um, it is. Now, if I could just mention a little bit about something we were talking about before. Uh, it has a connection to the longevity of um, Queen Elizabeth. Yes. Who has departed us. Uh, and it was something that I read in the Blue Zones, that, that oh, fantastic yes. website mm. about the longest living people mm. in the world. So I thought it was a nice little connection there. And... They've done lots and lots of interviews and people have been, these people who are living the longest in the world, shared some of their secrets to their longevity. And this interview focused on the um, the value of 
physical work, so uh, including exercise. So, of course, all the people that they interviewed for this survey said they enjoyed doing physical work all their lives. Yes. So very, very so people who were on farms and all those sort of things, their work that they did was often very physical. But also, um, they mentioned. Uh, the physical activity in terms of exercises. And so guess what? Let me ask you a question. What do you think is the best physical um, activity for healthy longevity? Are you talking about sexual relationships or sexual <laughs> <laughs> uh, No. no. <laughs> Walking? <laughs> Caught me off guard there, yes. um, Well, I'm just trying to think what the Queen might have done, but she would have walked <laughs> a lot. She would have she did. around a lot. She would yes. have ridden horses. Yes, that's right. the dog. Yeah. I don't think she was much into swimming, though, was she? No. Uh, no. Well, it's it interesting. Weightlifting. <laughs> you, it, it, it's Housework. all of those and perhaps none of those. Ah. The answer is it's a bit of a trick question, I must mm. say. But the, the best physical activity for healthy longevity is... Longevity is the one you enjoy ah, the, the most, most. Ah, and also the one you can easily incorporate into your daily schedule, and the one you can keep doing up to your hundredth birthday and beyond. Mm. Ah. Yeah, so that makes sense. All but all of the ones that you actually, all the exercises that, with the exception of perhaps one there, Barbara, that you've mentioned. <laughs> Uh, is mentioned here things like swimming, uh, obviously walking. Try to walk an hour a day at least. Like if it's it's actually quite easy to do even two half hour walks. So an hour a day. If you have a dog, or um, yes. of course it's <laughs> absolutely. And you know it's they're not talking about really really rigorous exercise. You've got that you are supposed to exercise to the point of breathing rapidly. Right, that's. That's rudimentary, I think, important. is a, a bit of a sweat. A bit of a and a bit of a sweat, absolutely. <laughs> but um, the other thing this study pointed out is that we have to our our, our muscles. Every muscle of the body needs to be used frequently. Uh, muscles grow and maintain or gain strength only in response to being challenged. Yes, so, so variety. And we know that as we get older as well. Variety is the spice. Variety, then, yeah. Mm. But uh, get out there, exercise. The goal of walking an hour a day can really pretty much easily I, be achieved. I thought you might have been going to tell us what the Queen did <laughs> no. as far as her physique. I do know, you know she walked she, with the corgis. She, uh, yes, and she did like a horse ride. She did fall off and she did a couple of times horse as, riding. Well, yep. as well. And then so walking and standing around was a big deal for her. Well, though. very much standing well, those, around. Those, those, pu- those functions. Um, yeah. that she, it, those it social functions. Well, yes. can, I, can I segue before we go back to entertainment yes. just while we're on the Queen because the shovel did have something to say oh, about right. that as well. Um, all in fairly good taste. Yes. Uh, this is, uh, you know, obviously satirical, um, but it says... Queen graciously sits through heaven's excruciating three-hour opening ceremony. (laughs) Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth has politely smiled and clapped through a mind-numbing three-hour opening ceremony to mark her arrival in the afterlife. The performance, a combination of kitsch cultural references and agonising contemporary dance routines, at times seems as if it was never going to end, but the Queen respectfully watched the whole thing, not even once glancing down at her phone. And (laughs) after the ceremony, the Queen politely thanked those invo- involved before meeting with the performers. Prince Philip, who was also there, <laughs> <laughs> said it was the most boring piece of he had <laughs> ever, ever witnessed. Uh, yeah, Expletive deleted. Uh, boom, boom. That. that was a little one from the show that I thought was very cute. I think that's beautiful mm-hmm. and really a fitting tribute. How many boring things would she would have would had she, to listen a- a- absolutely. to? Absolutely. Oh, the great things we're talking about, but mm. the, some other oh, things not so good. 
absolutely. Yes. Very, and, but very that's what well they said. Put. She did have that personal charm, and I guess and she, somebody was saying that she they made them feel like they were. She made them feel like they were very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it was yeah. about and even Paul Keddinger. Former Prime Minister was talking about how she had this idea about public service as opposed to the private sort of realm. So, yeah. yes, which I thought was interesting I, I think too. so too. Mm. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that one of the secrets to the longevity might have been lots of money. Lots of money. Well, that's yeah. one, less stressor, and, and one less stressor, isn't it? One less stressor. one less And all the things that you need at your fingertips. Yes, <laughs> yes. exactly. Although, but I don't you know. know. Countless studies would say, really, not it's really. not about that. No. There's, there's a, apparently a level of satisfaction yes. that people get to mm. with money and then beyond that, it's like, eh. Mm. And we've heard of many yeah. p- many people who've had m- so much money who've been so miserable and have taken their own lives and all sorts of things. So. Yes. No, but yes. the royal family mm. does seem to live fairly decent. Well, more recently, before the God. beheadings, etc. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, and those yes, sorts of things. True. And apparently, well, I think that she and was very she was very savvy, the Queen, because um, she realised when uh, the the uh, monarchy was getting getting a bit on the nose with some of these family dramas, and people were thinking, hang on a second, yes. we're supporting this family, and we've got yes, our own dramas and um, with our own families, we don't mm. need to support. For other people to support their their situation, so the fact that you decided to, decide to pay tax, I thought was very that, very smart. Right. Yeah, mm. a, a very very smart move, and as, as well as being quite quite reasonable too. So. Yeah, yes. that, that, that's it exactly. Um, just one quick thing back to entertainment again, yeah. if I may. And of course, the Queen was a patron of the arts, she even was. though she did like um, uh, she was fond of the dogs and the um, uh, the horses. But um, my late mother used to laugh and say that wonderful Windsor Castle with all those beautiful works of art. And she's not really an art buff, but anyway, she no. certainly was good enough to open up those places for the public to enjoy. Yeah, she and did. she was a patron of uh, the ballet, but apparently not much of an opera buff. I heard. Oh, I thought of you. No. Uh, yes, you heard about that. So yes, the opera house was open. Absolutely, might be like the uh, ceremony that. She was, you know, a little bit bored at recently. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yeah. apparently she was suggested that she um, she should perhaps make herself a bit more familiar with the opera, seeing she was opening the opera house. So one of her um, aides oh. suggested. So and apparently she did. Um, she checked it out. But um, anyway, each each to their own. Um, but speaking of musicals, I saw a really fun show the other night down at one of our favourite venues, Chapel Off Chapel, in the the big space. Um, this is Freaky Friday. Um, and you might remember the uh, the cute film uh, starring um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Um, yeah, years oh, ago, yeah. where mother and daughter swap, uh, well, stay in the same bodies, but swap personalities or souls, if you like. Yes. Yes. Anyway, it's a cute story, um, and based on um, uh, the novel by Mia Rogers and the Disney films. Yeah. And this has become a musical now, of course, as it has in everything. And uh, <laughs> I have to say, it's a real hoot, and uh, some wonderful performances, uh, particularly from Stephanie Powell, who plays Mum Catherine, and uh, her daughter. Um, uh, Ellie, who's played by Lila Di Grazia, and some great performances all around. But essentially, it's the story of um, mother and daughter having uh, perhaps a bit of empathy for the, the the lives that each one of them lives after the old mother and daughter clash. So many of us clash, I guess, with our mothers as we're teenagers, yes. and we only see things from our own point of view. But anyway, this is a really cute little twist uh, with it. There's a bit of a little magic and hocus pocus thrown in, um, and I guess they get to see life from a different point of view. These yes. two, yeah. But so anyway, that's on until the. Um, uh, the 18th of September, and oh, it's a real hoot. Very nice. With some very catchy tunes and great little dance routines. and a, Yeah, it's a very uh, talented bunch. Absolutely. And a lot of really good things coming up for school holidays. Yes, yes. Well, that could be one well, of them. Yes. Um, definitely the productions that are uh, coming up. Uh, there's also the Royal Melbourne Show. Yes. Oh, oh opening on September the 22nd. I presume it's yes. going ahead even though that's Isn't the that day the of mourning. It is the day of mourning. Oh. Mm. 
So you know, we have, have to, maybe have to check out Might the website. Be but I do believe you need show. to get your tickets online too these days. You can oh. get them cheaper if you do them online. online. I'm not sure if they're at the gate anymore, though, are they? They you you can do that, and there are also there's going to be night sessions where there's going to be um, different bands um, okay, playing as well. So um, you can actually come and do Twilight. So I think oh, yeah. they're sort of uh, enhancing on the theme that we've done throughout the city more recently. Oh yes, and using the Lighting, yes. You know, where there's been beautiful purple lighting mm, around yes. the, the Queen, Queen the Queen, at yeah. the moment, and there was the Botanic Gardens. I'm not sure if that's still on or no, not. Yeah, I might have finished. Um, but uh, some of the the ways that you're using lighting, I think they're going to be using that with the show this year okay. as well. So changing things up a little bit, but having their usual rides and show bags, that's which nice we've been examining. Yes. With, oh yes. Um, with my children. Nice to have you um, back after a couple of years it's of been, Yeah, it has been two years. Mm, was it was three years, in fact. Well, well, three well, years was the last was show. Yeah, 2019. 2019. I went to that one. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and this one is running. I love this show. It is good fun. Sunday, the 2nd of October opens. Well, we think it opens on the 22nd, Thursday, the 22nd well, of September, going through to Sunday. That'll the be October. interesting to see whether Maybe. it does, in fact, open. Mm. But it, it, it could be very popular if it does. I think yes. so. Yeah, and I think, I think so. some people are thinking, well, I know if you're not a. If your team is on the grand final, grand final day is a good day to go to the show. I've done it, did it last time I went. It is. Yeah. I know it is. It is a nice one as well. And there's also um, we mentioned this last week, but it's Heritage Week. Um, yes, continuing in mm. Whitehorse yes. and continuing. And we were talking about the wonderful Schwerkolt cottage yes, that yes. we had spoken about previously. Oh, okay. So um, on Sunday there was mm. the opening there, um, and there's quite a few little things that you can have a look at in our lovely little. Um, Whitehorse news that you can get out the front here as well. So we came to Whitehorse to exchange. There's the seed saving across generations and continents uh, session there as well. So heirloom seeds to to bring back some of the you know the older style apple and the older style <laughs> fruits and veggies that we had way back when, as well as um, flowering um, other flowering plants as well. But getting back to some of the originals that don't have all the high fructose and fructans mm. and um, oh, changes in their <laughs> yes. composition as well, which is which is quite important. Um, but yes, so lots lots to go on there. I know on Tuesday there's another one uh, we came. Uh, to Whitehorse to perform and it's the um, Senior Arts Performance Club at Taiwanese Women's Dancing Club. There's so many different things wow. on here and lots lots to do with culture and heritage as mm, well, so family great. history, etc. So mm. check that out. I'm sure you can go to whitehorse.vic.gov.au and check out all of the um, program. Check yes, it out. The City of Barandero is having similar sort of things going on as well, so check out that yeah, website. Yeah, lots going on. Hey, we have to go. We do. Oh. And uh, mystery guests next week, a couple of mystery a guests. A couple of mystery guests. guests. It'll be very very mysterious, but we will be here. <laughs> we, love, we love the air of mystery, don't oh, of we? Of course. We're all for mystery. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Catch um, you then. Six o'clock news coming up and your planet needs you right after that. Bye for now. Ciao. Bye.